0: How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio once again for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. And I am your host, Thomas Penland, coming at y'all today on Wednesday, September 11th, 2019. And you know what that means today, guys, that it is the anniversary of the World Trade Center. But on top of all that, guys, it's a big day today, you know. Me and Brett got that week one rundown for y'all and everything. Uh, had a pretty good week this week. Betting turned everything around. Went uh, six three and one on college football, including one and zero on my max bets. NFL went two and one on max bets, and I'm currently am seven and four on the NFL season plus three point five units. I'm um, on college football, almost got back to 500, negative 1.75 units, but we're going to fix all that this weekend, guys. But you know, it was a rough week one of college football, turned everything around this week, had a great start to the NFL season, I'll look to keep building on that, but let's go ahead and take things over, guys. Brett's about to join me now, and we're going to get things going for y'all. Welcome back to the Role Player Podcast. I
1: am your host and the role player, Brett Baker, and football is officially back. We had two consecutive days of football. Actually, three consecutive days if you include Monday. Um, We had a Thursday game. It's back, and it feels great. Some wild things happened this weekend that weren't even hardly related to football. They were kind of off-the-field things. Antonio Brown, of course, traded to the New England Patriots. I mean, what in the hell? Yesterday, it was also released that he had an entire sexual—what would you—sexual misconduct allegation on him by his personal trainer. Dude, this hey, is becoming the NBA. Though,
0: did you did you read the like? Did you like read the report for the sexual thing?
1: Yeah, she's definitely money. She's definitely coming for his money. Dude. Yeah.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, it said that they had like a relationship and stuff. Like, I don't think it'll be charged for any of it personally. I don't think that like, I don't think he's guilty personally. I nonetheless, mean, I though, sure, but it said that, it said that they had a relationship. Like everything I read said that it prob, you know, probably won't happen.
1: Nonetheless, though, it's just one more thing. I mean, it's it, Antonio Brown has flipped the NBA into the NFL, or the NFL into the NBA rather. I mean, it's just so yeah. dramatic. There's, You cannot possibly imagine this situation two weeks ago. If you told right, me two me weeks ago that Antonio Brown was going to be on the New England Patriots, I would have probably punched you in the face out of just
0: anger. Yeah, I would have told you to never try to talk sports with me again if you had told me something like that. But think about this. This is a wild theory that I kind of came up with the other night. So not saying this is true or anything but think about this so obviously the nba has the stars have grown bigger than they have grown in the uh in the nfl you know the players make more money way, they get way, more you know way. publicity they switch teams way. what are you saying that antonio
1: brown is an nfl plant planted by saying, the nfl
0: yeah just hear me out just hear me out this so, is deep what the NFL did it was they got got Antonio Brown one of the bigger personalities who kind of you know acted up in the offseason And brought a lot of attention to himself through his comments and everything. They put him on LeBron, share the shot, brought a lot of attention to him. I mean, he dyed his mustache. He was all over social media. He was one of the most talked about topics on everything. He gets traded to the Raiders. They put the Raiders on hard knocks. Then what happens? Stories start coming out Antonio Brown's feet. Antonio Brown's uh, helmet. You know, he's all over the news and everything. Everyone's tuning into hard knocks because they want to see what's going on in the Antonio Brown saga. Now, then all of a sudden, when the Hard Knocks is over, Antonio Brown goes to the Patriots and does all this through social media, making him the biggest and most talked-about thing. I mean, Antonio Brown was trending over everything at all points in time throughout. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that it's actually like a thing that that could have happened and that the NFL did all this. Just I don't to think an it's answer, the NFL just to help build it I mean I personally don't think it is either but I'm just saying you know it's a little food for thought to think about you know I mean the NBA definitely surpassed the NFL and you know it's it's a popularity I mean even Colin Coward was saying like usually at this point in time I'm talking about the NFL but no I'm still talking about NBA and NBA you know free agency so big in the playoffs and everything you know like He's definitely gotten so big that the NFL's got to do something back. And they need stars like Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham. You know, they need NBA players in the NFL. I I, will drip and all that.
1: I just personally think that Antonio Brown is a attention whore. I mean, that is the best way to describe him. He cannot stop. It's honestly I'm worried for him because he physically it doesn't seem like he can physically stop craving attention. I mean, he has done everything that he can possibly do to get attention. And I'm very curious how it's going to play out with the Patriots. He might already be brainwashed. It's hard to say. I did, however, read one of those emails or text or whatever that he sent to his accuser. And by God, the grammatical incorrectness on these texts (laughs) were absolutely appalling it blew my mind. I couldn't even piece it together. It was like when somebody like puts those like typo messages that are purposely typoed and you yeah. can like read what it means but you're like you don't know how. Mhm. It was dude, it was pathetic. I wish I could find it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it just feels like every single time that something happens in the Antonio Brown saga that there's just something new every single time, you know, it feels like, all right, finally, like everything's going to chill out. He's on the Patriots. Like we don't have to hear about him. And then now this pops up, you know, it's like he does anything and everything to stay in the news. Look. I think ultimately, football-wise, Antonio Brown of the Patriots makes the Patriots the clear-cut favorite, you know, to win the Super Bowl makes the best team in the league. That defense was absolutely dominant against the Steelers. I mean, Belichick and Brady have been raving about how good the defense it is throughout. I mean, they're so talented on that side of the ball. They also, you go look, you
1: go, they also put up 33 points without Antonio Brown on the field against one of the better defenses yeah. in the AFC, and I mean, they did it with ease. It wasn't even a... It wasn't even a challenge to them. It looked like they were playing in a college football game as a professional team. And granted, a lot of these teams did not look like themselves, so I'm not going to jump to any conclusions this fast, but the Patriots are easily the favorite. I mean, it is it is absolutely mind-boggling to imagine what this Patriots offense will look like with Antonio Brown on the field.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine. I don't think we'll see him much this week. I think they'll stay pretty vanilla against the Dolphins. Just because oh, you know we what happened to the them. Dolphins. Really? I, 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 because well, it's
1: we'll the see Dolphins, him,
0: but not like a, but not like a lot. You know, I don't think they're going to want to give away a lot of wrinkles and stuff. Plus, the Patriots have the most complex offense in the league. I don't think Antonio Brown's going to be able to pick up on it. You know, in one week, also. I just want to I mean, tell you though, you
1: don't need a complex it. offense to beat the Dolphins. You could pretty much just throw any basic route running package for him and he is going to probably score a touchdown in 100 yards
0: no i definitely agree with you on that i mean it's antonio brown's going to get 100 yards receiving his sleep against the dolphins i'm just saying like i don't know how like ready and into the offense he's going to be this week you know i could definitely see them running you know a lot more basic offense and him not getting the ball as much just this week. I think they're going to try to save those wrinkles more. So, I mean, the Patriots schedule, if you go look at it, it's a joke. They basically play the – every like if you count out the five worst teams in the NFL, I'm pretty sure they play all five of them the next five weeks. So, I mean, it's basically a cakewalk for them this season.
1: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that they are pretty much a lock to go 8-0, but to move on from the Patriots because we have to talk about something that's happening right now. Uh, Even before we talk about Kellen Moore, although I really want to talk about Kellen Moore, like I really do. You know I do. But unfortunately, me and you have just sat here and watched. Well, there's two things that needs to be said. We're running our first morning podcast that we've ever ran and it's off to a horrible start. We're not even 10 minutes in yet and Team USA is going to lose... To France in the FIBA Cup, or in the FIBA World Cup. I
0: mean, are you serious? France on it. Honestly, it's ruining my morning. And you know what? I want to call it Greg Popovich. Rudy Gobert is absolutely dominating us right now, and Brooke Lopez and Miles Turner are sitting on the bench. This is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I don't think Pop knows what he's doing with the team at all. I think the way he uses the personnel is horrible. Also, I'm calling out every single player in America. Why the hell are y'all not playing and representing our country? This is y'all's fault, ultimately. Kimball Walker's a scrub and just blew this game down the stretch for us. That's all I have to say. I'm not happy right now.
1: No, I really do think that these players kind of took it for granted, thinking that they were just a shoe-in for a gold medal. Um, I don't think they realized how hard some of these players in the past have worked to win a gold medal. And it's more difficult than it is to see it. Because let's be honest, all these players in the past, all these teams in the past have made this look so easy. And it is not easy to do. And it's embarrassing that we have to watch, as a country, our Team USA, who up until this year had not lost, I mean, I'm just, we're going to move forward because I can't even discuss it anymore, but holy shit, Team USA sucks, this is the worst Team USA that I've ever seen. In my life yeah, time.
0: I'm not. I just, I just turn my TV off. I don't even want to see how this game ends. I'm pissed.
1: Well, they're down um, by let, a, almost a full ten points. So, yeah, to move on from Team price. USA, I had to go on a little rant right there just because we suck so bad. This is appalling. What is not appalling though is the Kellen Moore offense. That thing looked like a well-oiled machine marching down the Giants. Whole entire field. I mean, dude, granted it's the Giants, but they stood absolutely zero chance. Truly, I think that Kellen Moore is going to change Dak Prescott completely. And the reason I say that is last season, I briefly mentioned this stat to you a couple days ago. Last season, Dak Prescott was in the top five in long ball accuracy. But was also in the bottom five on long ball attempts. While I know that accuracy could be skewed because the attempts are not there, the thing is when you don't give them many opportunities to throw the ball deep, you don't know if that accuracy number is skewed. Kellen Moore... <laughs> Probably the only person that has ever allowed our offense to really take some shots downfield and really be aggressive, like an aggressive offense, and it worked like a charm. Dak Prescott had 405 yards and four touchdowns and a perfect QB rating. We didn't even have to use Ezekiel Elliott, which is what you want to see because you don't want your running back to be worn down by the end of the season. Not to say that Zeke has ever been worn down by the end of the season, but... This Kellen Moore is the best thing. This Kellen Moore addition as the offensive coordinator is the best thing that's happened to the Cowboys in years. I'm sticking to it. Also, Michael Gallup, also sticking to that. My fantasy sleeper of the year. Said it a while back. I think he might go for over 1,200, over 1,100 yards receiving just because this offense is so packed out with Randall Cobb, your Amari Coopers, your Jason Witten's even, that you really can't cover everybody. And I think that Michael Gallup has the speed and downfield threats to really, really make a difference and eclipse that
0: 1,000-yard mark easily. He's already yeah, a I tenth mean, of the way there. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. Look, Kellen Moore played with these guys he worked with them. He helped develop Dak Prescott. Nobody knows them as well as Kellen Moore does. I think that he built this offense to, you know, to go to everyone's strengths. He also, you know, knows Dak very well and knows what will help out Dak. Dak looks so comfortable in there. He was throwing the ball around the field. Look, I will say this though: the offense looked great, but I think also part of it was the Giants being really bad. I think the Giants are probably the worst team in the NFL based off them, and the Dolphins are one and two for the worst two teams based off what I saw on the field on Sunday. Sunday, But, I mean, regardless, what they did was very impressive, and I think the Dallas offense is going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think this is, like you said, you know, the best offense that I've seen Dallas have, period. So nobody's going to want to play against them this season. It's going to be a tough task get to stop this team and take them off the field. And then on the opposite side of the ball, you got a great defense. So, you know, I picked the Cowboys to be that one team, to be like I said they are a fringe playoff team for me. I mean them and the Eagles going to be a tough fight to win that division, but I honestly think both these teams, based off what I saw in Week One, are playoff teams. I don't like to overreact to anything I saw in Week One, but I mean it's hard not to when you see an offense as impressive as the Kellen Moore offense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, as
1: far as anything else goes, um, I was a little bit worried about the defensive side of the ball for the Dallas, but I think they were just you know, installing a bend, don't break type deal with the Giants, especially with Saquon back there. The only issue I'm having with Kellen Moore's offense is one of our biggest things that, that our offense brings to the table is the ability to just control the clock and control the time of possession. With this offense being ultra-aggressive, I think that that might... We might deter from that a little bit, but that might be okay. I mean, we were, we put up 35 with ease. Probably could have put up 50 if we really wanted to, but...
0: i y'all could have probably outscored the Ravens if you wanted to, but I mean, also, like you said, you know, you got Ezekiel Elliott. If you need to pound the rock and run the clock, you can always do that. And also going back to your point of Throwing the ball down the field more. I mean, why would you not throw the ball down the field more when you have the best offensive line in the NFL? You know, that's the point of them—to protect the quarterback and give him time in the pocket and have the run games. You know, I think Dallas. Dow- I mean, Dallas has the best O line to go with those weapons they have on offense. I mean, this might be the most ta- This team might be more talented than any Tony Romo Cowboys team we ever saw.
1: Hey man, don't you go bringing Tony Romo in this. <laughs>
0: Don't you John do that? was doing a great job in the, bo- in the booth. I love hearing Tony Romo in the booth. But the thing that kills me about moving. the thing that kills me about Tony
1: Romo's career is he never had the offensive line until like the last two years, and by that time he had already had like seven broken collarbones. Yeah. So it was just tough. But we'll move forward from the Kellen Moore offense. We'll be back on that all season long, especially with how dominant it looked. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited as hell for it. But that's obviously me as a Cowboys fan. So we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to go great. I think that Kellen Moore is going to do a great job. Might actually, might actually get us to 12 games. Hot take. But that's way down the road. To move on from the NFL, which we've talked about a good amount, let's talk a little bit about what you think might have been the most impressive performance of college football so so far through two weeks, which it is for sure. And LSU beating Texas 45-38 to 38 in a game that was just an absolute thriller. I will give it to Texas. They are back. I was really impressed by how well they fought to stay in that game. I know both of me and you were big anti-Texas guys coming into the season didn't think they had what it takes, but hey, they lost and I'm still, I respect the hell out of them, but the team that they lost to, this is who we really need to talk about. LSU looked so damn good against Texas and I am actually worried, truly, I'm worried. I don't know if, yeah. I mean, I'm seriously a little bit shook up by it, honestly,
0: yeah, you know, um this is Joe the so what they did in the offseason is they went out LSU and they acquired Joe Brady, who was kinda like the passing coordinator for the Saints mm-hmm. and they put plugged him in as theirs. I mean To LSU learn the spread offense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, LSU, you know, they've never had a problem bringing in, you know, talent. Like we've seen them put Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, I mean even Russell Gage. Um another um, like literally LSU pumps so much talent into the NFL. You know, you always sit there and you're like Wait, all these guys played at LSU? How the hell were they not winning national championships, you know? And I go look at this LSU team, man, and this just feels like that he finally, you know, they finally found that guy to put everything together. Coach O knew they needed something, and he went out and got the extra guy that they needed. And now look at this team. I mean, Joe Burrow threw for 474 yards. Our 71 yards and four touchdowns. This LSU offense looked absolutely unstoppable. This is the, that was the most dominant I've ever seen them. You know, if they didn't have that offense, they straight up would have lost that game. Texas played a great game, and Texas was ready for everything they had, but. You know LSU was able to go in there and hang on and win that game. You know Texas had every opportunity to win it. I was so impressed with LSU. I honestly think, look, I know that people don't like to overreact, but LSU is the most impressive win in college football right now. I would have moved him up till number one, but I mean, hey, that's just me. That is a big overreaction. Um, I get where what, you're coming. Though
1: I get where you're coming from because of the just general strength of schedule right now. But I don't think you can take away from play or teams like Alabama and
0: Georgia who have but who, just beat the. Well, what has Sox. Alabama and Georgia done this season? They've just slaughtered two trash teams. I wouldn't. I mean, hey, that's that's what. How can you hold that
1: against them? I, I feel like you have to wait until you the regulars. You can hold it
0: against them. LSU went out and scheduled Texas to play, and Georgia went out and scheduled Murray State, and Alabama scheduled Duke and uh, New Mexico State. I think you can hold that against them.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the, the thing the thing is, LSU has a reason to schedule Texas this early in the season. They are ranked at they're ranked outside that top four. They have to get in there somehow. They have to prove themselves. So Georgia, and Alabama, they would prefer to have the easiest schedule possible until they get to the SEC championship because they feel like they're both talented enough. So, it's obviously lsu is a good team lsu can beat anybody ahead of them on any given night and i think that to move them up is a little bit i see where you're coming from but i just think that they're going to get their opportunity to move up if they're one of the best teams in the nation that will show and they will get to the end of this season as a top seed if they are that good and i'm very curious to see how this pans out i know Texas looked great but at the same time it's only been two weeks of college football and we don't really know what's in store for either of these teams and I will say LSU, it's kind of like the, uh, LSU is kind of one of those teams that looks so good for 90% of the season and then comes out on that 10% and plays really poor during a given game and their season just gets washed. So I mean,
0: but is LSU the, the best team like in the nation? This year, you know, huh? I uh, I would say yes as of right now. From what I've seen so far, I would put LSU as the number one team in the nation. They've played the hard. I mean them and them and Clemson. Have, out of all the top teams, have played the biggest game, and they have both dominated in that game. Actually, I don't know if I'd put LSU over Clemson, but I would have them right there next to Clemson. Has one and two, but I mean, ultimately they play at a, at um at a Alabama uh, in November on November eleventh. So I mean, that's ultimately going to be the test of what the season is. You know, that's what the whole season is going to come down to for both these teams. And you know, I wouldn't be shocked, fellas, you went in there and pulled off an upset. You know, they've come so close so many times to beating Alabama. I feel like they're due. Yeah,
1: and I'm I'm worried about Alabama because we've talked about it a couple times. Alabama is on this scary like they lost last year and got embarrassed on the national scale and now i feel like they're coming for people's throats so we'll see i don't know i'm not going to crown lsu as the best team in the nation right now because i do feel like there's other teams within the sec that haven't done anything to prove that they're not the best teams in the nation so until that we see a nice even spread of difficulty once you know the season progresses a little bit then we can decide who the best team in the nation is. We're two weeks in. Although LSU, I do think, is one of the best teams in the nation and can be any given team on any given night, I'm not crowning them with the best team yet. I think that there is a whole, you know, block of teams that could be on that first tier. So I'm yeah, interested you know, to see.
0: Don't, yeah, you know, I definitely don't disagree with you there. I'm just saying, you know, like. I feel like that what the thing in college football is, if you're going to go ahead and rank these teams so early in the season, why not go ahead and put the teams that have the big wins up higher in the rankings and pass over these other teams? And you know, at the end of the day, it all even itself out. You know, if if Alabama gets jumped in the rankings by LSU, you know they play them later on in the season yeah. and they have plenty of chances, you know, to change that. So,
1: well, I mean, it is a vote every happen. it is a vote every week, and to be honest, LSU was not very far off getting that three spot over Georgia they really weren't I think it was like a 40 something point uh, difference in their ranking um, on the AP top 25 I think that you know Clemson, Alabama Georgia, LSU is probably about right right now as of now Mm -hmm. and then you have Oklahoma and Ohio State coming in after that it's going to be interesting Georgia does play Notre Dame pretty soon That'll be fun. I think that Georgia's going to beat the hell out of them,
0: but that'll be fun. I agree with you on that. Georgia will definitely beat the hell out of them. Um, no, that definitely that definitely will be fun. I already got that one circled on the calendar. I can't wait to watch that. See, that's the kind of – see, Georgia's at least – like Alabama, man, like it's ridiculous, dude, how they're going out here and just playing all these trash teams. Last year they played Louisville. This year they play – they play duke it's like you know what i mean like like if you're that good go play somebody like look i can't blame them for not but at the same time like we need these teams to be playing somebody you know who's going to challenge them it's out of conference it makes all of college football better you know i agree with you um
1: the thing is alabama is just one of these teams that it, regardless of who they play in a given season it's still going to be impossible to count them out I mean you do get to see them have to play they have to play Tennessee man that's a big one yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out Tennessee I'm those poor bastards you, but I knew you were
0: joking I knew you were joking about that one <laughs>
1: yeah they have to play uh, LSU though and like we said in November they also have to play Auburn on the last game of the season per usual and yes their schedule was easy They had to play New Mexico State, which was absolutely pathetic. I did not like that choice, but hey, whatever. I mean, Alabama's Alabama. They're always going to be at the end of the season ready to go, primed to be in the playoffs. So we'll see. Hopefully, Auburn is not what I think they are, and I hope that they have a little bit more success than they have had in the past, at least, so that we do not have to play Alabama in the SEC Championship, for the love of God. I'm so sick of losing to Alabama as a Georgia fan that I can't do it anymore. So we'll see something to keep an eye out on is college football in general is the sec because we have now four teams in the top 10, I believe no five teams in the top 10. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's going to be fun. SEC is going to be an absolute fun time to watch down the stretch towards the end of the season, because that's when you start to see these top teams In that top 10, Uh play each other. So we'll see. I'm still waiting. I don't know how many teams will stick around in that top 10 until they get down to the end of the season. But we'll definitely see. So now is a better time than any time to start a power play, which we have not done in a while. So Mm do you want me to lead in? We're both going to answer each of these six questions or six topics, rather. So how do you want to do it? Do you want me to start? Do you Mm -hmm. want you to start? What's up?
0: Uh, uh. I'll start on the first one, and then we'll each answer each one, and then we'll just keep on going. Um, give me one second here. I want to pull up the uh, NL, the NL uh, standings real quick, just so I can have the exact numbers. But um, what I was gonna say also is honestly, next week, like outside of the power play, we probably won't talk any college football just because there's no games that really mean anything. But I feel like that's also the biggest Saturday, you know, when you see the biggest upset. So
1: yeah, no, you think so? You think that is the case? And yeah. then you see like and then you then you see let's see here Then you see South Carolina upset Alabama <laughs>
0: Dude, not with that freshman quarterback, man. I don't see it there. But all right, I'm ready. So let's go ahead and get it off, hit things off. All right. So what we're gonna talk about here now is the NL Wild Card. So for the NL Wild Card, I think Nationals are pretty much a shoe in at this point. Um, don't really see any way the Nationals won't make it as the Wild Card. You know, they're gonna be a scary team to see in the playoffs when you got Strasburg. Um, Scherzer, I will say, here's... Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, when you got when you got that pitch, you know those is three pitchers and Robbie or not Robbie and Patrick Corbin. It's gonna be a tough team to play against. But also on the flip side of things, I thought the Brewers were gonna go ahead and take and jump the Cubs here and make the playoffs with how hot they've been. Be but Christian Yelich is now out for the season after last night fouling a ball off his kneecap. Um, I'm gonna say the Cubs are still gonna make the playoffs here, but. They're struggling right now, and they got to turn things around here. They've definitely been slipping up. The Cubs cannot play on the road, so I mean, I think the Cubs can slide in here and get this last wild card spot, but I don't see them beating the Nationals in the wild card game. All right, you ready, Brett?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. I have a lot to say about this NL wild card. You're on the clock. Alrighty. So, for me personally, I do think there's a chance that the Nationals get pushed out. They play a ton of games within the division. The only team that's really chasing them at this point is the Phillies and the Mets, which they will both they will play multiple times before the end of the season. If they slide at all during those games, then this could be a huge L for them, especially because they're going to be playing the Braves at the same time. And if the Braves, you know, take two out of one and the Mets have a good series against the Phillies, or vice versa, they will slide out of that wild card position. They're only two and a half games ahead. And with the Chicago Cubs, I think we'll actually leapfrog the Nationals because they will also play a lot of games with the Brewers, who are now without their superstar, Christian Jelic. I think that the Cubs slide into that five spot just because their division is falling apart slowly. And then it's a shoot, or the sixth spot is going to go up to either the Nationals, the Phillies, and the Mets. God knows which one it'll go to, but I'm actually going to think say the I'm gonna just say the Phillies man I'm gonna say it I think that this is type the type of thing that would happen to the Philadelphia Phillies and the Nationals honestly they have to play the Braves more than anybody else I believe so tough luck
0: yeah no absolutely I let you run over there a little bit but not a big deal I was wondering when you were gonna stop me man I was like uh No, no, I let you run over there a little bit. I knew you had a lot to say. It's it's not a big deal. All right, let's move now to the AL wild card. And you know what? I'll let you go again. AL wild card. Got you. Am I on the clock? You're on the clock. Fuck. Give me one second. (laughs) All right, now are you ready?
1: (laughs) I'm ready. So with the AL wild card, I have been against... The Tampa Bay Rays keeping themselves in the wild card. I can't justify it any longer. The Rays are going to take that fifth spot. They're a game and a half ahead right now. They don't seem to be slowing down. I keep on thinking they're going to slow down. They're 9-1 in their last 10. They're on a six-game winning streak. I was wrong. I will admit it. I was wrong about the Tampa Bay Rays. That's my bad. As far as that six-spot goes... The Athletics and the Cleveland Indians are the only two teams that have a chance right here. I think that the Cleveland Indians actually power through and get this sixth spot. They just had the Cavs' longtime announcer pass away. I think they're going to do it for uh, Fred McLeod. It's going to be a thriller, but Cleveland Indians is my pick.
0: Um, okay. Um, I'm on the clock now, and you know, I was I picked Tampa Bay to make the playoffs before the season started. Um, I will say this: I kind I, the All-Star break, I sold on Tampa Bay, and they were ice cold there for a while. But they've got a lot of guys back from the IL, including Glas And they seem to have picked things up a little bit. I think Tampa Bay can still get in here. But, I mean, they only have a a one-and-a-half game lead, so it's not that huge. The A's are the hottest team in baseball the second half of the season. And I think the A's are here to stay. Personally, I would rather see the A's in the Indians in the playoffs than Tampa Bay. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll get that. I think the Indians will barely miss the playoffs. You know, the Indians were a team with a lot of win-now talent that's still, at the same time, is in rebuild mode. That's the mm-hmm. way I look at it. The A's, though, man, they're on fire. You know, and I think this A's team is a team that if they can get in the playoffs and they can definitely win that win that uh, wild card game, I really think the A's are a team that can pull an upset here in the first round. I mean, they scored what was it, 20? I think it was 22 runs last night yeah. against the against Astros. So you know, I would not count the A's out at all. This team is on fire man. Yeah. And it is hard to count them out.
1: I'm just a Cleveland sports guy in a sense. I like, I like the Indians. I like the Browns, whatever, man. I like the Cavs. Yeah, I like the Indians too. I just think that the Indians are fun to watch in the playoffs for whatever reason, but I'm not counting the athletics out by any means. The A's are a great team. I just think that, you know, I had to go against the green a little bit. So let's move on to the
0: next topic, which is, um, Yeah, what's what we got? So next we have our top NFL Sunday performer. So we're going to do our top performer and our top surprise performer. I'll go ahead and start this out. I'm actually going to just go with two top performers here. My first one I'm going to go with is Dak Prescott. I mean, he slung the ball over the field on Sunday. Um, like we said, I mean, he was throwing that deep ball with so much accuracy. He made this Dallas offense look like an absolutely unstoppable force on NFL Sunday. Um, he threw for 405 yards and four touchdowns. So, you know, Dak looked absolutely untouchable on Sunday. But actually, my other top performer I'm going to go with is a Florida State Seminole here, Dalvin mm. Cook one carries 111 yards rushing two tds on my atlanta falcons you know dalvin cook's a guy that i watched at florida state that i thought was probably the most undervalued running back in all of college football and i thought he should have won heisman that year derrick henry did i'm not going to go into the stats but trust me if you look at the stats you'd agree with me um but dalvin cook you know he balled out if this guy can stay healthy he's going to take the league over yeah all right so my top performer of week one was lamar jackson
1: this is a guy that coming into the league people said need to switch positions from quarterback to running back or wide receiver or whatever he has officially silenced all his haters he threw for six touchdowns against or yeah he threw for six touchdowns against the ravens honestly you started to lose count because he was absolutely humiliating the dolphins i don't even need to say much more about that i think that he is going to be a great Great player in this league. He literally looked like Michael Vick out there throwing those long balls. And I i don't sling that comparison around lightly ever at all. My biggest surprise performer for me is going to come in the form of John Ross from the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a guy that most people had written off before the season started. He had a horrible first year. He came out with some big time energy, had seven receptions for 158 and two touchdowns. For that reason, he is my surprise performer of the week. I was very surprised by it, especially because he did it against the Seattle uh, defense, which might not be what it used to be, but it's still the Seattle defense.
0: Yeah, and he also changed his number. So, you know, I think that helped change up his mojo a little bit. But let's keep things moving here. We've gone a little long. Um, biggest disappointment from NFL Sunday. I'll start us off again here and go quick. Um you know, I think there, there's a lot of things to be disappointed in this NFL Sunday. I feel like there's a lot of teams that we thought would really, you know, kind of ball out here on NFL Sunday. But my most disappointing team, y'all. I know you all thought I was going to say the Falcons, but I'm actually going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers here. I mean, that offense looked like they never really got settled in. They didn't do anything. That was a game where I was very high on the Steelers and thought they were going to win that game outright as an underdog. Um you know they they never got settled in and it looks like it. they never established the run. They didn't do anything on offense. I mean, it was just absolutely pathetic. And I'm sure all y'all that watched it. I mean, i after about after that first drive at halftime where they in the second half where they kicked field goal. I was like, all right, this game's over. I'm done with it. But that's all I got. Brett, you're on the clock.
1: So my biggest disappointment, and I'll hold this conversation until our conversation about them. My biggest disappointment is definitely the Browns. But for the sake of this particular power play, I will also say that my biggest disappointment was the chicago bears who looked absolutely lost on thursday night they only scored three points against the packers did not know what they were doing with the run packages david montgomery and mike davis split 11 carries which is absolutely pathetic in a one score game you cannot have your quarterback throwing 45 fucking times that is so stupid
0: yeah so that's all i got yeah no i yeah, no, I agree with you there. I actually wasn't disappointed in the Bears. I kind of expected that. But anyway, let's go now. I was disappointed calling. in the play calling. Okay, yeah, that makes that definitely makes sense there. Yeah, no, the play calling was horrible. Um, all right, I'll start things off here. Best game I watched this weekend in college football um, – it was nebraska colorado for sure i mean that game was crazy at halftime it was 17-0 nebraska we had a minus four and then scott frost just coached not to win and it came back to bite him and they got ran off the field in the second half and they blew a game that they should have won easily i mean hats off to colorado they never quit they never gave up you know there were some wild plays there's like a 96 yard flea flicker i mean to even yeah. have the balls to call a flea flicker where you're thrown out of your own end zone i mean that's a real ballsy play call and You know, Colorado, I can't think of their coach's name right now, but everyone's real high on him and this team this upcoming season. You know, I thought they looked good. Obviously, they've given up a lot of yards and whatnot, but I think Colorado could be a sleeper team out here in the Pac-12, a pretty uh, garbage Pac-12 with that. You know, we had Washington getting upset by Cal at about 3 o'clock in the – no, it was about 5 o'clock in the morning our time. So, you know, there's a lot that can still go on in that conference, but that was my best game I watched.
1: Hey, man, Uh, that's the conference of champions, man. And it's – Colorado is a team to watch because they've had some thrilling games so far. But the best college football game that I watched had to have been the Army-Michigan game. I mean, I cannot believe that Michigan let Army really control the tempo of that game the entire entire time. Uh, Army had a chance to win it at the end of regulation with a field goal, missed the field goal, and lost in two overtimes it is what it is army put up a hell of a fight and michigan got bailed out and harbaugh also got bailed out michigan is absolutely awful i cannot believe they stayed in the top 10 after that performance so i don't think michigan lasts very long this season i really don't so that was definitely the best game i wish army would have pulled it off though
0: yeah, no, I agree with you completely there. That was that would, it should not have been a good game, but it was. Um, last one here, college football team that impressed us the most. So I'll be quick here on this one again. Um, Maryland impressed me the most, guys. You know, They scored 80-something points the first week against Howard, but the way they turned around and just ran the ball and threw the ball over Syracuse. Syracuse is a team I was very high on in the ACC. Maryland is currently first in college football in points scored at 142. Also first in points per game at 71 points per game, and they're third in the college football in in yards at uh, one at 1,273 Josh Jackson transferring there looks like an absolute stud I mean Maryland's offense I mean this is a team to watch moving forward here guys I think Maryland's for real I mean I know I don't want to overreact to things but I mean that's no fluke what they did against Syracuse that's a good ACC team well coached team by Dino Babers so I got Maryland here is my uh is the team that I'm most impressed with You're on the clock now, Brett.
1: It's worth mentioning that neither one or both of us agreed to not pick LSU on this one because it probably would have been an easy pick. So my most impressive team that I was most impressed with over the first two weeks is the Wisconsin Badgers. Their running back, Jonathan Taylor, is a Heisman candidate. He has 35 attempts this season for 237 yards and five touchdowns. He also has three touchdowns through the air. He scored four touchdowns in two straight games. Listen... I'm not impressed by who they've beaten, but they've beaten the bad teams. They've allowed zero points. They've scored a total of 110 points. Wisconsin is not famous for covering spreads, and they've covered spreads like no other team in college football. And for that, I respect it, and I am very impressed by them, and I cannot wait till we get to see them play some actual competition.
0: Yeah, I can't I can't wait either, you know. Like you said, that offense looks good, but all right, let's try to stay like three, four minutes here on these last topics so I make a little breakfast before I go to work. Let's see. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get it going here. So these are our final, you know, takes before we uh, go away like we do every time. We already hit our headlines in our um, power play, but so, how are you gonna re- How do you react to this Browns loss, Brett? I know you are talking about it a minute ago. You're a little bit of a Cleveland guy, so let's let you get things going. Are they still a playoff team, or what? How are you reacting to this loss? All right.
1: Well, first of all, I do want to mention the fact that the Steelers also played awful against the New England Patriots. That's two Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, both destroyed the AFC South, or the AFC, is that correct? AFC North. Um, yeah, they absolutely destroyed them and I'm not going to overreact I still think the Browns are a very good team I think that Baker Mayfield definitely did not play great he's not going to play that bad throughout the season I think that the Browns are fine as long as they do not overreact I think they're okay their defense is still okay um, a lot of those 42, 43 points that the Titans scored were because of short fieldage. Uh, there was a whole array of things going wrong for that offense. They couldn't run the ball at all. The Titans' defense is actually a very, very good defense. Um, one of the premier defenses in the league. They're probably top 10, in my opinion. And I agree. It's just a tough roll of the dice for the Browns. I'm not going to overreact as a As I'm not going to overreact for the Steelers as well, I think that this first first week is always, you know, shaking the rust off a little bit. A lot of starters didn't play in the preseason. Not Not too worried. I'm not completely sure if they're a playoff team, but I think that they still have an easy opportunity to slide in as a playoff team, especially with their division. I think, personally, at one of the lowest that we've seen it over the last three years,
0: four years. Okay, Uh Um, you know, I'm it just, you know, it's kind of funny how the one year that we have expectations for the Browns that they come out and play like this. Um, you know, I, I said I thought the Browns would take a little while to come together as a team and to figure things out. I thought they had a rough schedule to start the season off. I was The Titans were one of my big bets this weekend, and I also had the Titans' money line. So, you know, I was kind of expecting that. Baker Mayfield, though, did apparently injure his throwing hand. We don't know how serious it is yet. So that is something to keep your eye out on. But mm-hmm. – I'm going to agree with you. I'm not really going to overreact here. I still think the Browns are a good team, and I still think they can make the playoffs. I think they just got to figure things out. They got to be able to weather the storm. They got to stay positive. They got to not, not let this get them down. You know, you can't get too high. You can't get too low. It's a week-to-week league in the NFL. I personally think the Browns will be all right. I think they'll figure things out. You know, I just think it was early in the season and whatnot. You know, the Browns are the Browns. They're always going to have, have the – things like this and you know it's going to bring when you got Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landerson being bad publicity but this defense is absolutely stacked they gave the Titans some gifts with those pick sixes that game should have been a lot closer than it was with those defensive scores I think the Browns can still can still uh have a great season and win these and make the playoffs so
1: yeah and I, it is worth mentioning that this division um the AFC North went only one and three on the weekend. Uh, that both the Browns and the Steelers lost by thirty points. The Bengals only lost by one point against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. But you never really do know with this yeah. division. I mean, they're only. It's not. It could have been much worse. Uh, they were able to escape it pretty much on level playing field with the rest of the division. So I think they're going to be fine. It might take a second to get back into the swing of things, but I think Baker Mayfield is also going to be fine. I think this is a guy that is a gamer. I think this game might actually light a fire under this team. So
0: I think it might be exactly what they needed. Yeah, no, I definitely I definitely think it's exactly what they needed, a little wake-up call. Um, let's move here now to our last topic. Before staying we within the, the AFC and, North. Yep, staying within the AFC North. And, all right, the Ravens offense, I mean, put up 59 points, looked absolutely unstoppable. I'll start us out with this one here. Do we think it was the the Dolphins being that bad or the offense being that good? And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a little bit of both. Like I think that the Ravens came out, they took it to the Dolphins to start the game off. They wanted to get Lamar Jackson good looks throwing the ball and you know, he threw for five touchdowns in this game. And then, you know, if you're the Dolphins, you see Laramie Tunsil get traded. I mean, there's reports saying the locker room is gonna riot if he was traded. And, you know, I think the players really feel like this team is tanking. We've never really seen a team tank like this in the NFL. And, you know, I think that recalls the locker room and the players, you know, to kind of give up. They said, man, screw this. I want out of here. And the entire team, you know, football is not the kind of sport that you play where, you know, where you're tanking. Like you're putting your body on the line. You're trying to win a championship. You're not trying to tank. You know, that's not the sport for tanking like it is in basketball. And I think the players are like, man, screw this. I'm not risking myself to come out here and lose every single week. And I think the team honestly just gave up. And let the you know. And the Ravens are gonna, the Ravens. See the thing about the Ravens is with this offense they run, is that it's you know I think it'll get figured out more as the season goes on. But I mean, when they get leads, it's hard to beat them because the way they run the football, they're going to be able to keep ball away from you and keep the lead. So keep your offense on the sidelines. So I think the Ravens offense looks really good, but I'm not going to buy the Ravens until it gets to about week ten. That's when I'll be ready to buy the Ravens. Hmm. All right, well, to answer this question, the Miami
1: Dolphins defense was absolutely pathetic. They were not able to do anything. Honestly, I do not blame players for asking to get traded from this team because they are wasting their career, which in the long scheme of things is pretty short when you think about it. This Dolphins team is probably the worst that we've ever seen a Dolphins team. The city of Miami is actually... Looking dismal right now. But that is beside the point. As far as the Ravens offense goes. I'm very impressed by the Ravens offense. And this is why. Before the season even began. We expect to see a lot of designed run plays. For Lamar Jackson. He only ran the ball three times. For six yards. And they still beat this team. 59 to 10. He was 17 for 20. With 324 and 5 touchdowns. Granted. He did play against the Miami Dolphins. I understand that, but his accuracy was on point with every throw that he was making. Even with good defense, a lot of these completions would have been completed. I'm very impressed by it. I think that they're going to be hard to stop regardless of who they are playing. I don't think they score 59 every game, of course, obviously, but I do think that they're going to be a hard team to stop against any defense. I mean, really, when you control Lamar Jackson throwing the ball and you know that he can throw the ball, he's going to beat you with his legs. And with Mark Ingram back there, I think that it just makes it all the more harder to stop him. Even Gus Edwards is a good running back that they have behind him. This is a tough offense to stop, especially if Marquise Brown is who we think he is as far as being a huge playmaker. Mark Andrews played... Incredible as a tight end he probably had one of the greatest tight ends or seasons for a rookie tight end last year that we've seen in a long time and I mean I think that this team is actually going to be very difficult to stop so I'm on the Ravens bandwagon a little bit I do want to see them play a challenging game which we'll get
0: soon enough no doubt
1: do you know who they play this week
0: um, they play Arizona at home, so yes, I don't think that's very right. much of a challenging game. No, it will not yeah. be. Yeah, no, I mean, we've seen it with all these run-heavy offenses in the NFL. They get figured out as time goes on. We saw the Chargers catch up to them the second time around when they play. Um, I don't think his team's built to last as the season goes on. But if Lamar Jackson's able to find receivers and hit receivers like that, that's where it's going to be scary. If Lamar Jackson can throw the ball like that because, you know, Kaepernick could never really throw the ball like that. He was very streaky as a passer. I mean, if Lamar Jackson can throw the ball like that, that's what I don't want to see. Also, though, I did love how they didn't really run Lamar much, which is smart because, I mean, we know how the history of running quarterbacks holding up over time goes in the NFL. So well, if you don't need to run them, why, really... why run them? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think these teams are getting a lot smarter where if they don't need to run guys, don't run them, you know?
1: I agree with you. And one more thing before we wrap this podcast up. I did... Forget to mention throughout this podcast, I'm a big fan of this player. I drafted him in every single one of my five leagues. TJ Hawkinson, the tight end for the Detroit Lions, rookie tight end, 100% worth that number eight overall pick. He went out there, he became Matthew Stafford's favorite target within a single game, within a single preseason. He had six receptions for 131 yards and a touchdown. He led the team in targets, played absolutely phenomenal, whether it was run blocking, it did not matter. He is a great addition to the Detroit Lions, and he is already Matthew Stafford's favorite target. So if you haven't already tried to pick him up, pick him up in your fantasy leagues. If you're in my fantasy league, I'm sorry. I drafted him in every single one. I was that high on him. Great player. I'm looking forward to this season for him. I should have mentioned him as my top performer, but
0: just overthought it. Yeah should have mentioned him as your top performer, but that's all we got for you guys today, Brett. I kind of like doing it in the morning. We need to do it in the morning more often.
1: Yeah, it's kind of fun. I mean, I feel like usually when we finish our podcast, it's like 1130 and we don't have any time to do a damn thing. So it's 934 a.m. We're good to go. Both of us have work pretty soon, but hey, it's a nice, nice way to start the day. So
0: absolutely great. Great way to start it off, but appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, Follow me on Twitter at TP3Wins, on Instagram at TP3Bets, and that's all I got.
1: Yeah, and more importantly, follow TRP underscore sports. Uh, I think this is the better Twitter account of the two. Um, (laughs) Suck my, my S-My-C, Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, thank you all for tuning in uh if you have any type of feedback or if you want to join join us for a show do let me know we'll be here every single week uh trying to get one to two podcasts out a week i've actually been without wi-fi so that's my bad we're gonna get to it so thanks for tuning in peace